Welcome back, friends, to another episode of Word Books with Friends. This week, we'll be discussing Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, Chapter 17, The Man with Two Faces. I am one of your hosts, Paul, and as always, I'm joined by the magical, the mischievous, the manly, because I ran out of M's, <laughs> co-host, Chris. I'm surprised you didn't call me a friend. Well, yeah, should have just... We just had a discussion. <laughs> Yeah, but I went with alliteration. There you go. Hey, guys, I'm Chris. And we're finally here. We've reached the final chapter of the first Harry Potter book. Oh, and we couldn't do that without the help of this week's sponsor. That's right. We're sponsored by Kasparov's Wizarding Chess Sets. Hey, do you ever struggle with putting all your pieces back together after yet another brutal defeat? Are you sick of your pieces telling you that you're making all the wrong moves? Don't worry. Our friends over at Kasparov's has a solution. The Kasparov's Learning Chess Set. Chess pieces that won't argue and will listen and are easy enough to resemble just with a flick of the wrist and wand. So if you want easy to learn chess, think Kasparov. Thanks, Kasparov. Last time we left off, Harry had just worked his way through all of the challenges to get down into where the Sorcerer's Stone was hidden. And the person that beat him there isn't who he expected it to be because they were adamant that Snape was the one that was actually actually after the Sorcerer's Stone. But lo and behold, who would have expected it? It's poor, stuttering Professor Quirrell. Even Quirrell knows that it's a surprise to Harry. And also what's a surprise to Harry is that now he needs a plan. Well, that's that's what? the first time Harry's ever realized that. They had a plan for Fluffy. They're like, okay, we need music to get past Fluffy. Cool. We got. We can get that covered. I'll bring a flute. Awesome. They never stopped to talk about, hey, how do we stop Snape? Like, Snape has a head start. They know Snape's going to have a head start. They never stop and say, hey, let's talk about how we're going to defeat a professor who knows his way around the dark arts and also potions. And also muggle studies. It's just like... <laughs> <laughs> He'll know their every move. Quirrell knows Muggle Studies. I don't know if I think uh, Snape would. Uh, I think he would have some idea. But yeah, uh, right from the get-go, though, as soon as I started reading this chapter, I realized this is probably my least favorite chapter of the entire first book because a lot of it is telling and not showing or explaining. Like, it's... Literally just like, oh, and then I thought it was Snape because of this. And then Quirrell's just like, well, no, it was this. Well, wh what about this? Ah, well, because this is why. It's a lot of just trying to wrap things up really quick, just so they can kind of progress into the actual conflict between Quirrell and Voldemort and Harry. You really wish that uh, Quirrell had a mustache that he could twirl the whole time. Well, explaining his dastardly plot. Well, it was me that released the troll. Yeah. And Snape caught on to me. Yeah, it's a it, lot it of... It feels like it's a lot of checkmarking boxes because Rowling has to say, like, okay, well, they thought Snape was responsible for jinxing Harry's broom. Well, no, actually, it was me, and I would have gotten away with it if it wasn't for that meddling, meddling Hermione. Like, it's... Okay, and then what did they do? Ah, yes, they're talking in the in the hallways. Okay, well, it's it's a lot of like backtracking and just like kind of like hand waving, like oh well, no, like there's there's a reason for everything. Let me flip, fill in all the blanks that you have. Let's go over the whole book and give you all the yeah. You, you're right. It's a lot of check boxes that are being filled. And I mean, I'm just trying to look, and it's like you know maybe four or five pages of just that before they kind of get to the point where he's also like, oh, well, don't worry, I've got Voldemort here with me, too. Like, it's... I feel like that yeah. should have been, like, a bigger reveal? Yeah, instead of him just kind of quietly, like, almost whispering, but I'm never alone. <laughs> like, like, so over uh, melodramatic, like, in, in a way, where he's like, you thought I was alone. I'm never alone. Well, you know how you uh, pre-show you were talking about how they don't seem to have any kind of drama classes at Hogwarts? 
<laughs> yeah, right. This is very much like Curl's monologue. Like this is his intramural study. Like I finally get to use it. After all, this is a children's book, and you don't want any questions to be left up to the reader. This is spelling it out as plain as day, so nobody's leaving here unsatisfied. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I don't know. If, I don't know if the thunder's uh, audible on the show, but it's really coming down here in Orlando right now. So if you hear any thunder or lightning, I'm not recording this outside or anything. Just got really bad within the last ten minutes of a. Uh, before we started recording. Well, it's just all, uh, all ambiance. It is. It's just this is what it all comes down to. How else are you going to face uh, Voldemort if you're not down in a D- on the third floor? Which is weird again. They're on the third floor. They drop down. And then they're still on the third floor? Or they're now on the second floor uh, it's someplace? It's like an Escher, Escher kind of situation where they're going up, but then they're going down. And then... So this is just a really long hallway. Yeah, it's timey-wimey, wibbly-wobbly, that kind of stuff. It's all important. And then he goes downstairs into a foyer kind of thing. Yeah, but on top of all of that going on, they've come to the final challenge. Uh, the Mirror of Erised's here now. Uh, we found out where Dumbledore actually moved it to after he he pretty much left it there for Harry to find, like we kind of talked about before, like... It, it was it was there to kind of like plant those seeds, and then they had all of these challenges put in place. So, if someone was trying to get to the Sorcerer's Stone, they wouldn't be able to. We we talked about this a little bit in the last one, where it's like, well, why why the potion logic puzzle? My the thing that kind of hit me as I was reading this chapter too is. Why even have the stone there at all? Why not have all of this just be a big red herring? Uh, especially if mm-hmm. Dumbledore is aware that you no know, Quirrell's going to be after the stone. Like, why doesn't Dumbledore just kind of keep it on him at that point and have everyone think that it's squirreled away somewhere? Ooh. Why not take it back to Gringotts? Like, a double blind. Right? Everyone already thinks, like, oh, well, it wasn't at Gringotts. Just put it back there. Now put all these other. Again, that doesn't make for an interesting story, but it, w- it would have been the smarter, more logical thing to do. But again, logic doesn't seem to exist in the wizarding world unless you have a potion puzzle set up. And also, these are all puzzles. I think that all you know, if Nicholas Flamel needs to make more uh, life-giving potion, I forget what uh, they the elixir. call it, the elixir of life. He can go to Hogwarts with the professors. And then get to the stone again. It's now protected by a council. Next question that I have based off that. Why not just give it back to Nicholas Flamel? Because nobody seems to know who he is. Or where he <laughs> like, is. Well, maybe, maybe he was found out. And he didn't want to be killed by the dark, you know. And that could have been when he gave by, it over uh, to Dumbledore. And then Dumbledore. Dumbledore yeah. for protection. Muscle. Again, it, it's fun to think about this stuff, just kind of with that, like, well, why not mentality? I know I spent a good twenty minutes just looking at Quidditch tables, <laughs> like, but who won also, that year? I just want to say for everyone listening, that was not his own time. Like, that was in our pre-show stuff, where it's like, all right, let's get ready to go. And then Paul's like, but then who would have won this matchup? <laughs> He's trying to figure it out. Yep. All for you, listeners. No, that, that was, was just that me. was all for honestly. Paul. That was all me. That was all for me. Uh, uh, we we'll get to it. We also get more of the Golden Trio being terrible liars because when it's actually brought up that like you know okay Harry has to be able to find this, bring him to the mirror. Harry's not even able to think of his own situation. He basically just apes Ron's. Or it's like I'm getting the Quidditch Cup. He literally could have just used his own and been like is that my parents? Like he doesn't have to yeah. act like something. You'd be like, Holy mm-hmm. that, that woman has my eyes. Who is that? Like he, he had something he could have just drawn from in his real life. But now it seems that the mirror of Erised isn't really showing the viewers deepest want or need as was originally described by Dumbledore. You know, the happiest man on earth could look at himself and see exactly who he is as he is right then. It's now showing whatever you want at that moment. <laughs> it's like, well, that's a lot less interesting. Um, 
But I also think that was part of Dumbledore's plan because the person that's going to be able to retrieve the stone from the mirror is going to want to be able to have that stone more than the person who's going to be using this. I mean, he does talk about this a little bit towards the end of the chapter um, after everything Mm -hmm. happens. And it would have to be a strong desire for them to keep the Sorcerer's Stone from someone wanting to do some sort of ill or harm with it. So I can kind of see this because it's just another layer on top of the showing them what they really want type situation. And honestly, like the only reason Harry is able to get through that is because he doesn't want Quirrell slash Voldemort to get it. You know, it's that's overtaking his, Oh, I want to know my parents. Mm -hmm. Oh, I want to get the house cup thing. Yeah. But it doesn't show Harry running away with the stone. That's as easily much of his want at that moment as it is Quirrell's want and desire to be handing the stone to Mm Voldemort. So it works, but yet again, if you think too hard about it, it doesn't. Kids, 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 but yeah, exactly. It's not, it's not the worst, but these books do get a lot better. It's it's very (laughs) true. But I think that's also part of what, you know, keeps them, I don't want to say relevant, but keeps them interesting, I guess, because, you know, ideally when these were released, you were to age with the books. So it's different to go back and revisit it because you know, there is that progression to the story, but that also just kind of fits with the characters themselves. They start off like, wow, this is magical, wonderful world. Oh no, things get bad. Things progressively just get worse and worse and worse from chapter to chapter, book to book. Uh, The one thing I do have to say about the mirror, it's working perfectly as a distraction. Yeah, Quirrell's circling around it, staring into it, trying to figure it out, just eating up a bunch of time, just keeping him distracted. And Harry realizes that, that, hey, let's just keep him distracted, keep him from figuring it out. And honestly, if Harry wasn't there, probably would have worked yeah. exactly as intended. <laughs> because Well, and then even later we find out that Dumbledore kind of had that realization and decided to come back. So if Harry just hadn't been there, Dumbledore would have found Quirrell at the mirror anyways and would have discovered the ultimate plot to come back. And at this point, we know that Voldemort already does have the Horcruxes in place, but Dumbledore probably would have been able to completely, I don't want to say completely destroy him, but he would have had a better heads up on how to deal with everything. And I think that's the whole plot of the whole, like, okay, we'll let Quirrell get down there, get alone, get him distracted so we can catch him in the act and hopefully draw out Voldemort. Because they don't know that Voldemort's attached to his body, but maybe they think that Quirrell will fail and Voldemort will have to make himself known to try to get the stone. And at that point, Dumbledore can come back, face off versus what's left of Voldemort, and finish him off. And Harry just ruins everything. Yeah, exactly, because if Dumbledore shows up and sees the state of, you know, this half-living life thing. Maybe he would realize that what kind of dark art that Voldemort's using to keep himself alive. Maybe he won't be able to tell it's a Horcrux because Dumbledore gets to see in the next book journal that's possessed, but doesn't put it together that it's a Horcrux Um, yet. Do you remember at what point he gets the Marvalo ring? Uh, it's during the Half-Blood Prince, because he says uh, his hand is all injured. Yeah, it's a, the injury is a sight to behold, and the tale tale is equally as exciting. But it's for another time. Yeah, but I think it's during the Half-Blood Prince. Because that's when he knows he's going to die. Just looking at it, so it looks like he got it in the summer of 1996. Can do, I, I'll do some more Google Foo when we kind of come yeah. up to this, but I'm just curious because it has to be in Chamber where he realizes, okay, he's got other plans to come back. Now I have to start piecing this mm-hmm. together. Yeah. Well, he also, he would realize it here. It's not him in a, like a corporeal form that's trying to come back. It's smoking. He even says he's mostly smoking vapor. But I do like the description of Voldemort on the back of the guy's head. 
it's they mentioned this slitted nose, this like snake-like slits for a uh, nose, red eyes, and just pale-faced and very creepy. Which, I mean, not to jump ahead, because we do have another episode coming up after this where we're going to be sitting down to talk about the actual first movie. They definitely don't keep to that description when they unveil Voldemort on the back of Pearl's head in the actual film, because he has a nose. But then anytime we see yeah. Voldemort actually after that, no, not, not little kid, Tom Riddle, not even tween Riddle, he's, he's going to have a nose. They have him on the back of Quirrell's head. He's full, full form nose. Kind, kind of like stuck with me this time. And I know it's always been there since that movie came out, like 2000, 2001, whenever it was. Uh, let's go. Well, they already knew at this point that he, he should have had it because it's right there in the book. Mm-hmm. And that's why I kind of wanted to bring it up. Yeah. Also, I'm saying that Quirrell, you know, he's, he decides, oh, I'm going to stop Harry. I'm going to wrestle. Throw, he's already on the ground. I'm just going to pin him down. And I'm going to choke him to death. A wizard. Oh, oh, a wizard. <laughs> that, you know, knows at least a little bit of the dark arts. Isn't going to use a spell. He just cast a cool spell. To wrap him up there with ropes that aren't that came yeah. from nowhere. Like, but, and not just the fact that Quirrell has that information. He's also got the darkest of dark wizards with him. And you could maybe argue the fact that... They need Harry alive to try to get the ring, and that's why they don't resort to just getting rid of him on first view. Mm-hmm. But once they find out that he's got the ring, or not the ring, the uh, the stone, stone, all bets are off at that point. Like you, you just get rid of that. Kid. He's eleven years old, and he's just honestly just holding out, grabbing the guy by the arm, grabbing the you know, putting his hand on his face. Like I think I could shake off an eleven-year-old. It's like a shove. Get off me, kid. Get the wand out. I think I think you could take an 11-year-old. Especially like an early 90s 11-year-olds. I know as a kid, I was stupid. Kids today are smarter. <laughs> I don't think you could take a 2020 11-year-old. Like <laughs> what yours is like 1996? Uh, no, it was like 1992? 1991? 11-year-old? Oh, yeah, totally. I don't know if I want to keep on this conversation with me taking an 11-year-old. Okay, you could, be, you like could kidnapping. beat up an 11-year-old. <laughs> Yes, this is sounding even better. <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying, Quirrell should have had the upper hand and advan- every advantage in this fight. Yet, and the only thing Harry has is poison ivy touch. Like, <laughs> like, uh, come on. But then ultimately, we wind up having poison ivy touch, and then Harry just kind of blacking out. Which this isn't going to be the first time that Harry kind of passes out and misses important things going on around him. Because the next thing he knows, he wakes up and he's actually in the medical wing of Hogwarts. And, uh, in typical Harry Potter fashion, oh yeah, everything's fine. It's all good. <laughs> what happened to, uh, the stone? Ah, uh, we destroyed it. Uh, what happened to Quirrell? Uh, he's kind of dead, Harry. Which? <laughs> kind of dead. Both those points I have notes written here on. Because we do find out that Nicholas Flamel is okay with the stone being destroyed. Uh, both he and his wife have enough elixir ready-made, good to go, that they can put their final affairs into order. Which, again, they don't talk about how much of this elixir they need or like how often they need to partake of it to keep going, which I'm kind of interested by that now. But he's okay with it being destroyed. And I think if he's okay with it being destroyed after this attempt was made to get it, think if there was a threat of someone getting the stone to begin with, he probably should have been like, okay, well, you know what, this is this is important to Voldemort coming back. I should probably get rid of this. And regardless, if they already knew that an attempt had been made to get it out of Gringotts, I think at that point, you know, two of the greatest wizarding minds in the world at this time should have just been able to be like, well, you know what we should probably do? Get, get rid of this thing. I, I'm going to put in my own than fiction here from the start. Nicholas Femel probably knew it was no longer safe with him. Maybe Death Eaters were after him. Nicholas Femel gets it to Dumbledore for safekeeping. They agree to put it in Gringotts. It'll be safe. They move it out of Gringotts because maybe it's not as safe. Luckily, they did. Probably at that point, Dumbledore has that conversation with Flamel again. Like, look, buddy, 
We should just destroy it now. What are you doing? Over 600 years of life, plenty, and maybe Flamel still still doesn't want to give it up. He's giving it to the best wizard in the world, the only person that could stand up to Voldemort, only person that could keep this safe, and they came up with a solution. We'll keep it at Hogwarts. I feel good. I can keep on living. At this point, like even Dumbledore keeps it, quote unquote, safe. In a very well, we non-traditional way. way of keeping stuff safe is just put it like right in harm's way. Like, eh, dude, who's like we're six hundred years old, eleven year old kid. Which which should I prioritize their safety? Uh, hey, remember how I said it, <laughs> Nick? Remember how I said I was going to keep the safe, and nobody would be able to get it except for you know uh, a series of pr- uh, professors here at Hogwarts, you and I. Uh, so, yeah, um, turns out, Professor turns Quirrell, out, like, three kids are able to figure it out. Um, are they, like, uh, the, three, I love you. Miles is like, wait, are you telling me, like, these have to be, like, the best students that you have, like, final year. One is. They're, like, top of their class. They're, they must be great kids. Uh, well, I mean, no. one of them literally just found out he's a wizard, like, three months ago. One's kind of a crappy baby of the family kid, and then the other one, yeah, she's a little bit of an overachiever, but her parents are dentists. I haven't been to a dentist in over 400 years. It's just something I don't believe in. Anything that happens after your 300th birthday, it's just a scam to make money. That's what I've always said. And it served me well for over 300 years. He uses candy as his teeth at this point. <laughs> he he actually he has enough time. He just goes through all the birdie bots flavored beans to find the teeth flavored ones because he's like, well, that's gonna be the most realistic. Nothing fancy. And at that, that point, that's when Nicholas Fumel finally <laughs> relents and says, "Okay, there's no keeping this safe anymore. I'm ready. Like, yeah, I'm just will just go." <laughs> and his wife's like, "I've been telling you that for the last three hundred years. That's a really bitter." awkward marriage that they have. <laughs> oh, they both want to outlive oh, each other? <laughs> just so spiteful at that point. <laughs> They're replacing each other's elixir with life with water? <laughs> I'm sorry, no. This is the wisdom in your world. Bourbon? Uh, yeah, I mean, they <laughs> are brandy. Good enough for horses. Good enough, good enough for 600-year-old wizards. Anyways, uh, what was the other thing we were talking about? Oh, yeah. Uh, Harry just kills a teacher and granted... We we do know that Quirrell was bonded with Voldemort. Mm-hmm. Also, the fact that because it's such a secret, everyone at Hogwarts knows about it. This is just a light fact that Dumbledore throws out there. Okay, makes sense. At no point does anyone ask Harry if he's okay after everything that just happened. They're not like, hey, do you, do you need to go talk yeah. to the school therapist? Do you need a minute? You just had a terrible terrible meeting with the person that killed your parents uh, and then also mm-hmm. killed the teacher that was responsible for bringing him into the school putting you and your best friends in harm's way like you need a second no Dumbledore is just taking the kids candy uh, on a, fr- a reread again Harry didn't kill Professor Quirrell if Professor Quirrell was weak and injured Voldemort leaves him and that uh, with Voldemort leaving Quirrell that's when it mm. finally kills him. Mm. I know it's nitpicky. That's okay. You can pick some nits. But so Voldemort kills Quirrell. And, and he even says, uh, where is uh, I'm on the Birdie Bots thing. He's as vindictive or as mean to his followers as he is to his enemies. Uh, but you're right. He, he definitely, Harry should probably be talking to somebody about meeting the killer of his parents, almost dying, basically being in a fight for his life. All of that should be worked through. Oh, yeah, even because I'm, I'm on the page right now where Dumbledore's talking to him, and he's like, Harry's talking to him, and says like, uh, I could I couldn't have kept him off the stone much longer. And then Dumbledore's like, not the stone boy, you. The effort involved nearly killed you. So not only did he just go through this terrible thing, like Harry, not only got knocked out from all of this, like he almost could have died at this point. And here's, the, are we gonna? go into a dark Dumbledore theory here. Um, where We kind of touched on the dark ulterior motives of Dumbledore before, and that was even just with, he kind of has that idea 
that there is the possibility that Voldemort could come back because Harry survived this. Uh, so yeah, you can, you can get into it. And the prophecy's out there. Dumbledore knows the yeah. prophecy. We might he might not know everything else that's going on with the Horcruxes and all that, but he knows the prophecy that neither one can survive, thrive, or survive while the other one lives. So, is Dumbledore kind of prepping Harry to be a child soldier, like to get used to the fact that he's going to be put in life and death situations? And not to dwell on it, and not to dwell on maybe killing a fool or two. Like, uh, this is going to be kind of standard issue for you, kid. Like, 11 years old, 12 years old, doesn't matter. Like, this is going to be your life. That's probably why Dumbledore doesn't send him to talk to anyone. He wants him to come to terms with an early death. Yep. Checks out. Yeah. It's it's brutal. Or, or we could just say, hey, it's a kid's book. And kid's books, don't you don't want to dwell on overall emotional and psychological ramifications. Yeah, they, they don't really deal with that until they get, you know, maybe like three more books into it. The nursery rhyme, Chris, of the 12 little monkeys jumping on the bed, one falls up and bumps his head. They don't go into the ramifications of constant uh, concussions and CTE. Yeah. Like, we don't talk about that, and that's nursery rhyme. So, you know, we don't talk about you know, but honestly, though, should he talk to somebody? Yes. Also, at this point, too, I don't know too much of the behind-the-scenes stuff. How how many books J.K. Rowling knew she would get? Because I'm assuming this probably she didn't sign a contract knowing she was going to get to tell seven books. So this could have just you know been an easy one and done type situation where it's like, okay, you know, Wizarding World, there's a threat. Harry's able to beat it. Mm-hmm. Happy ending. Everyone says goodbye. Goes home. They're going to visit each other over the summer. He's going to make a fool out of his cousin. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. Uh, Also, something that was great. uh, Harry finally gets some more information about the invisibility cloak. He finds out that Dumbledore was actually the one that gave it to him. But not only that, it had actually once belonged to his father, who used to use it just sneaking around the kitchen, getting snacks at night. Uh, so this is something that we're already finding out has been in the family for years. And again, we talked about it previously on the show once he first got the invisibility cloak. This is something that's going to come in really big once we get deeper into the series and find out that this is one of the proverbial uh, Deathly Hollows. And he also learns not just that his dad liked to sneak into the kitchen to uh, steal treats, but he did, in fact, have a big fight between... Uh, himself and Professor Snape. And Dumbledore kind of says, yeah, it's kind of like you and uh, Draco Malfoy. You kind of don't get along. But uh, the real reason Snape hates James Potter is because James saved his life. at one. Which was something I had completely forgot about because it's been a while since I read this book. But then it's been even longer since I read some of the later books where we actually find out what happened with it. And also, they don't mention that in the, in the movies either. Yeah, it's never brought up. Even in the it's, in the later uh, movies, like it's not. It's just oh, he, Snape hated James because he got Lily. That's kind of enough of a crux for the character to not get along with him. Well, I mean, plus the plus the yep. torture, uh, but then also the fact that like now he has to deal with his his crappy know nothing kid at school. But uh, no, I, I like that it's a little bit deeper than just. Friend zoned. I'm holding a torch for Lily. Like, and I hate the guy that got her. I don't like that as much as oh, this guy was such a jerk to me, and now I owe him. He he was such a jerk, and I want to hate him for being a jerk. But now that he saved my life, I have to reconcile that maybe he's and not that's a jerk. That's maybe. probably even maybe I deserve being picked on. Probably is like so much worse for him at that point too, because I mean those are all valid reasons to not like him. I think at the current nomenclature for it would be calling someone a Chad. Yeah. Have you not heard that? No, no. Chad is just a very white person name. Just like a like stereotypical, like white cool dude is a Chad. Oh, okay. Like a yeah. bro, like a, but a privileged yeah. bro. So it's not <laughs> only the fact that it's okay. like James Potter, just that dude at school. It's now the fact that like, no, like he's kind of proven 
that he is a little bit better than me because he he did save my life. It's like, like oh, it's weird. And I kind of look forward to getting further into the books to see more of that Snape relationship play out between not just Harry, but, you know, the rest of the Marauders and Lily as they kind of get those flashbacks in place. Because I vaguely remember feeling like, no, it is justified. But at the same time, Snape's just way too woe is me about everything. So I, I kind of want to see that again. Uh, yeah, I'm excited with that new uh, piece of information to definitely look at who Snape is. Then we finally, you know, Dumbledore grabs that uh, earwax candy with some prodding to Madame Humphrey. Harry is able to see Ron and well, her for five minutes go through everything. But it turns out to be 15, <laughs> just like, you know, with this podcast, it is only going to be yeah. 10, 15 minutes long. Now we're in our, like, 35th minute. Hey, that's what happens when you're hanging out with friends. You're reading word books with them. (laughs) Um, It's, I think the best thing that came out of this chapter, again, it's not my favorite chapter in the book, was actually the visit between Harry and Hagrid. Because again, one of the things that I've been really like stuck on as it happens throughout reading this book is no Hagrid's just a class act. And the next day we do get a meeting between Hagrid and Harry where Hagrid literally comes to Harry crying, like, I'm sorry, like this is all my fault. Like If I just hadn't wanted that stupid dragon's egg, all of this could have been avoided. And he's broken up about all this. And I think that speaks to the character. Because he, he wants what's best for Harry, because Hagrid himself hasn't had the best life at Hogwarts and can probably understand a bit of what Harry's going through. And he's putting all the blame on himself that, you know, if he was smarter, if he thought about his repercussions and actually kept his mouth shut, Harry couldn't have gotten fluffy. I don't know. It seems like Harry would have figured out a way, much like how Harry says, no, this is Voldemort we're talking about. He would have Mm -hmm. found a way. It didn't come all down to you, buddy. Also, Harry might have mentioned that none of the other professors... (laughs) Uh, stuff worked either. So, yeah. true, true. Uh, this is actually when Harry is then presented with a photo album with pictures of his parents on the pages, and Hagrid says to him, "I'm gonna <clears throat> quote this here. Send owls off to all your parents' old school friends asking for photos. Knew you didn't have any. Do you like it? So, discussion question: Who do you think?" Hagrid actually reached out to just saying right off the bat, we know probably wasn't Neville's parents. Yeah. Ooh. Cause at this point, Sirius Black's still in, in Azkaban. So he's not going to be able to reach out to them. So I, my and first then, thought would probably be just be the, the Weasleys because Harry's friends with Ron and they are also members of the order. So I'm assuming, but they were in the order later, not at school. But I think he would have known that they were friends at that point, though. Because I don't... Hagrid's history, I don't know too much about. Because I think we can assume he was probably brought in to be the groundskeeper after he was expelled. Because we already know Dumbledore was at school for that. So he probably was able to see the Potters and the Weasleys, you know, maybe palling around or... Well, were the Weasleys there at the same time Harry and... Or uh, James and oh, Lily I mean, were, or because I, I assume that they are older than Lily and James. Uh, see, I always just just because they have older kids. That's you know true. what I mean. Yeah. Like, so I always assume that they probably would have first really met the Potters and the Weasleys in, during the Order, and not so much during those years at Hogwarts. So I'm uh, assuming it would be Professor Lupin. Lupin would be a definitely safe bet. Um. Pettigrew's gone. You know, Mad Eye's in the Order of the Phoenix as well, but you know he wouldn't have had no, pictures. And he, I, and he he's have definitely had pictures. Older too. And then again, we're you know I'm saying school year pictures, but honestly, the pictures that we see of Harry's parents are when they're adults. It's not like when they're so. Yeah, he might have reached out to the Weasleys. And but I mean, again, that's we don't see too many of the pictures because mm-hmm. it's mentioned here. Um, handsome leather bound book 
Uh, Harry opened curiously when it was full of wizard photographs, smiling and waving at him from every page where his mother and father. So there's probably like a good amount of pictures. Uh, the movie does have pictures of Harry with them as like a, as a baby. So I think at that point it could have been anyone from, from the original order of the Phoenix, but mm-hmm. you know, just one of those things. I think Lupin's probably like the strongest because he does come into play you know, two books down the road. So he is something of a presence and he's probably not too hard to find if Dumbledore is able to bring him on as defense against the dark arts professor. That must've taken a couple days though. He, he says that he only took one day off, but now yeah, work. I'm getting those photos together. Uh, but at that point too, it could have, who knows? Because we know Hagrid's a, is a good dude at this point. This could have been something he'd been looking into for a while. Uh, after he had, uh, after the kids had found out, because it's already been said that Harry has been kind of out of it for three days. So during that mm-hmm. time, that it seems like Owl Post is pretty quick. He could have already reached out and just within maybe like those last three four days, gotten everything put together. Oh, then again, Hagrid is such a class act. He's probably been working on it ever since day one, yeah. and he probably just took the day off to finally put all <laughs> yeah, the just get a together. scrapbooking day. He's probably. He just had a scrapbooking day. Exactly. He's, you know, maybe he's probably sent out letters to everybody, you know, he took the time to figure out who to send letters to, sent the letters off, like here and there, you know, in his off moments. He did have a whole like almost month taking care of a uh dragon. So no scrapbooking. And, and also at that point too, it doesn't seem like anyone really bothers Hagrid with too much because again, like you said, he had a dragon for like a month before anyone was like, Oh hey, Weird smoke coming out of that hut down there. Should we go check on Hagrid? Nice. So, yeah, it's probably just a lot of Hagrid hanging out, drinking some brandy, eating stoat sandwiches, uh, which you do get another reference to. Which I, I liked having that reference after we had spent so much time talking about it back in like chapter <laughs> yeah. four or five. No, it's Norbert. Uh, it was uh, chapter 14. Oh, was it really uh, that one? Norbert, oh, the Norwegian Ridgeback. Yeah. Man. I, I, you know, I edit the shows and I've just edited you edit them. I just, I just years. have everything written down in a notebook here. I don't know if you can hear it. I'm flipping through it. But it's also got all my uh, bag and board notes in it too. It seems all as well that ends well. We're heading into our first year end feast here at Hogwarts, uh, and surprise! It turns out that Slytherin actually is going to be the winner of the Hogwarts House Cup. I do have the point totals written down here. Turns out Slytherin has 472 points. Ravenclaw has 426. Hufflepuff, 352. And we have Gryffindor bringing up the lead, or I'm sorry, the end, uh, with 312. I do have a quick question about these point totals. Who's giving out two points at a time? Like, honestly, how's everybody ended up in an even number and the majority ending up with a two? And then Ravenclaw's the only one. Which make, kind of makes sense, ending with a six. Well, it does seem like because a lot of the points that we see being awarded or taken away throughout this are, I don't want to say in round integers, but it's like, oh, 10 points, you know, plus, yeah, five plus, and ten. plus 15 points. I want to assume that it's going to be some of the older professors, maybe like a Professor Bins that's like, oh, great job answering that question. Two points to Gryffindor. I think it's like the... You know, old people that when they get their newspapers delivered, they're tipping a, a nice shiny nickel because that's okay. when, you know when they were a kid. That's a, that's a lot of a lot of money. It's like, hey, you know what? Go see a movie and get a popcorn. Here's here's a quarter for you. I think some professors might just, oh, hey, Professor Sprout dropped a dropped a pot. You know, someone helped her clean it up. Oh, hey, twelve points. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, it's. Cave troll, five points. Cave troll, five points. Skipping class, ten points. Being out late, twenty-five points. Being out late and setting up some other kid, fifty points. You know what I mean? Like all nice, divisible by five numbers. Yet to see these end of the year, I, I'm expecting nice like three ten, three fifty. Nope, three twelve, three fifty two. Nuts. Four. 426. It's a weird amounts, yeah. but 
I don't know, this is kind of how I rationalize it because that wasn't something that I had thought about when I wrote them down. And it wasn't until we started our pre-show discussion that I was like, well, I can see someone assigning weird, tiny little point totals because they're like, oh, so-and-so clear their plate at the Great Hall. The house elves aren't going to have to throw out that food. Uh, Eight points. Like, it's... It's weird. I don't know. The- All I know is if I saw that Gryffindor had 312.2 points, I would have just lost my mind. If somebody starts handing out decimals, I'm going to just flip it. Flip. I'm going to throw it. I think they round up. Yeah. Maybe that's how they got those those extra two points, just from rounding up throughout the year. Oh, uh, I was... Oh, that's how kind of annoyed I was at at the two here because I'm like, wait a second, if we've been seeing to be going over a five a base five system, all of a sudden you're going to introduce twos and ones into this. It's kind of like when you're talking to somebody about, oh, you know, on a scale of one to five, how would you rate it? And suddenly they go, uh, you know. 2.75 2.75 and you're like no a scale of 1 to 5 man now you made the scale 1 to 20 basically with all your 0.25 stuff you increase the scale so that's all so but I'm it turns here. out they're not done assigning points yet paul i know here comes more because noise coming we've my talked way about before points are all just made up uh because dumbledore winds up assigning a bunch of extra points uh to our golden trio. Did uh, seven owls fly in holding a package of uh, 160 points here? Just out yeah, of the blue? Pretty, is available. Pretty much that owl's name is Dumbledore because he can do whatever he wants. He's, yeah. he's the headmaster of Hogwarts. Order of Merlin. First class. He's, he's got the final say on things. Fell out of my 150 points. 160 points just fell on my sleeve. Here you go, kids. Enjoy. Because, uh, yeah, winds up giving uh, some points to Ron Weasley for the best-played game of chess Hogwarts has seen in many years, so 50 points. Can I put that another way? For almost dying while playing a game of chess, because that's what actually happened. He almost died while playing the game. Okay, 50 points, cool. The thing that gets me about that, he didn't have to actually almost die playing it. I don't know why he... You know, you can see it in the movies... He climbs on the back of the knight to play as it. Mm-hmm. Are we to assume that Quirrell also like was standing on the board and moving himself as a piece to get through to the other side to to be that challenge? Or it seems like you could probably just stand on the side of the board and you know call your moves. Yeah, because it's not like you put your finger on the board and have that be the rook. Yeah. While you're playing wizard's chess, normally normally you have a full set. At least you always have a full set. When you buy your sets from cost peers off. <laughs> and fifty points fifty points seems like a lot. I'm sorry. It, it Especially if they're giving like two points for whatever they are. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Before fifty points was just like a multiple of ten of what you would normally get. Now it's a multiple of fifty. <laughs> uh, you know what I mean? Like when you introduce one point scoring and what it normally would be a five base 50 points does become a ton of points. Okay. I mean, anyway. it's a that alone would be a game breaking amount of points, but Dumbledore's not done yet because he just doesn't care. Uh, next, Hermione Granger he comes out with a really kind of fun pun here uh, for cool logic in the face of fire. Remember the quiz they had to walk through fire after drinking the potion? Uh, another 50 Ooh. points. Oh, okay. That makes more sense because I wrote down for looking for wood to start a fire, even though you've been casting fire using your wand this whole darn year. <laughs> Fifty points. Or it could it could be no, but it's it's for her solving the logic puzzle. That makes more sense. Or it could be it could be for the devil snare. Who knows? Then again, fifty points, aka you seeing as the top scorer so far with Slytherin with four hundred and seventy-two points. 28 points away from 500. 10% of a whole house's full year of point getting awarded right there. But Paul. 10%. Paul, he's, okay. a, he's not done. Yeah. He's, he's, <laughs> he's not, not done. Because next up, Ooh. Harry Potter. 
for pure nerve and outstanding courage, he gets 60 points. Or as I like to put it, going in blind without a plan. <laughs> Loose cannoning all over the place. When also, uh, if he hadn't, we discussed this, things would have worked out okay. Because we found out yeah. that Dumbledore looped back before he didn't even get the owl that Hermione left to go send. Like, he must have he must have crossed it in the air, he says. Like, he just kind of came back like, mm-hmm, wait, this is weird. Ron and Hermione even mentioned that they see him walking down while they're walking back up. <laughs> To get out of the, to get back up to the third, he's walking down from the first floor. He's walking down to get no, to the no, third they're, they're floor. No, they're, they're Escher walking. stairs, so he's walking sideways, actually. <laughs> the staircases move, Paul. That's Don't, all I can say. This is the worst chapter yeah. of the book. Yep. That's all I'm all saying. Right. Full on agreement with you. Such a good book. And then this happens. This whole chapter happens where you can't think too hard. Because, and they don't want you to because they spell everything out for you. They're like, hey, no, no, don't. Don't have any questions. We're going to spell it out so you don't think about this. Let's keep moving. And keep moving, Dumbledore does, because at this point we have Mm -hmm. Gryffindor now tied with Slytherin. But he's got some more of his uh, malarkey points to hand out. And up the other sleeve. (laughs) I forgot about the other sleeve. Uh, And from that sleeve, 10 points for Neville Longbottom fallout. Because it takes a great deal of bravery to stand up to our enemies, but just as much to stand up to our friends. At, this, at the point that all of that happened, Neville's really not friends with anybody. He's just kind of that wet blanket kid. But okay, yeah. That's actually going to wind up putting Gryffindor in the lead. They win the House Cup, which everyone is ecstatic about except for, for Slytherin. Malfoy and Slytherin. Obviously. Yeah. You know what? That was 10 points for uh, Neville Longbottom. I have no problem with. That's in a reasonable bound of points for a reasonable thing and to do. It, it, it's mentioned that everyone's excited, even Ravenclaw and Hufflepuff, because Slytherin lost. If I was in Ravenclaw, which I am because that's where I got sorted. We've talked about this. Go back, listen to those first few episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd be pissed because it's like, okay, we lost to uh, Slytherin by like 40 some points like that's that happens that that's 46 sucks. yeah but now Dumbledore's just like eh, points 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 i got all these points so i don't know what to do with them really yeah ravenclaw's like hey guys remember how i did awesome on the exams you you, you remember that like no i get no points for that no points I remember how i stuck to all the rules this year didn't miss a single class, any points? Remember no that points. weird old man that was choking on a bunch of tooth-flavored birdie bus beans and I gave him the Heimlich maneuver? I didn't get any <laughs> points for that? Ugh. Oh, you know. Ah, it's those points. And the worst thing is, too, they don't go away. Points are going to exist for the continuation of this series. They don't matter. Mm-hmm. It should just come down to the end of the year. Dumbledore's like, eh, you know what? I'm just going to give it to this team because whatever, I don't care. 480 points. 170 that were earned in that moment. Which is... Uh, I, I don't have the calculator out. I should have. Just to do the math of how many points... I, I'm, I'm stalling. I don't know if you know that. Uh, as I pull up a calculator. Of how many points. So with the 482 points, they earned 170 divided by 482... That's 35% of all the points were earned just then. Five, five <laughs> minutes of Dumbledore talking at the end of the school year. Yep. Uh, he's, he's tenured. He doesn't care. He can just do whatever he wants. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I would kind of feel like the Ravenclaw kids and feel like a little cheated. Uh, and as a Slytherin, I, I would feel I would be like I spent this whole year earning the points that I earned. Like, And then Longbottom over there gets 10 points, more points than he's earned his the entire year <laughs> you know one of the Hufflepuff kids like i got my friend off of drugs i didn't get anything what <laughs> it doesn't none of it matters nope and just you know what does matter your, your, your final, final grades because apparently you find out what you get on all of your classes before like the end of the year ceremony so i guess at that point you're 
getting an awesome celebratory dinner, but then they can pull you into someone's office. I don't know, like school guidance Mm -hmm. goblin. Who's like, oh, sorry, you you didn't pass. You got to go through your second year again. But I I had the feast. Gryffindor got all those (laughs) points for nothing. I got to go through this again? Oh, glad glad I don't go there. I'd rather have standardized tests, a system that's broken. And yeah, it seems like they were graded on some sort of curve because even Neville did horrible scrape through on his good marks in herbology and made up for his abysmal marks and potions. So it seems like you can move through the next year. Like it almost seems smarter to like, oh, well, Neville would have to take like remedial potions the following year or he can't take advantage. Like it would set you up like, oh, he can take advanced herbology next year versus regular herbology. And, you know, now he's going to be in the class with, eh, let's just say it, the Hufflepuff kids and potions. You know, uh, but no, it just they'll it's, kind of, it's, no, it's all it pass fail. And like the example that I kind of gave when we were doing our pre-talk is, well, maybe it's a situation where okay, he didn't have the measurements right, but he had the right ingredients, you know, thrown into the cauldron. So he'll get points for that. Also, probably just because. Snape's not going to want that kid hanging out for another year because <laughs> you know he doesn't, he doesn't know what the next six years are going to bring. He's like, I just got to get rid of this kid. Move him on. But yeah, it turns out that you know everyone passes all of their their exams. Everyone's saying goodbye. That's it. And the, and then the first year. But that's not it for word books with friends, no, guys. We got another uh, one. Friends. Yeah, we're going to do an epilogue. We're going to be back. Uh, soon to discuss the Harry Potter and Sorcerer's Stone 2001 movie and our final thoughts about the book as a Yay. whole. So look forward to that episode coming out soon. Rate us, rate this show if you've been enjoying it anywhere that you download the podcast. Also email us, uh, bagnumboardcast at gmail.com with your thoughts. Uh, eventually maybe we'll do a whole email episode where we go through your responses and or comment over on Facebook, bagged and bored. <laughs>